Welcome to Dealcast, the weekly M&A podcast presented to you by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. I'm Juliana Needham. In this episode, we're looking at how Australia is playing catch-up on ESG and how that's impacting dealmaking. Louise Weihart is a senior journalist based in Sydney. Hi, Louise. Um, hi, Julie. Thanks very much for joining me today. So, Louise, where is Australia in the overall global ESG landscape, looking at it particularly from an M&A point of view? Okay, well, the short answer is that Australia is very, very far behind the global landscape. Um, and before we even get to the M&A, it, we're far behind in terms of the big picture because climate change has been the big issue and, and that's moved along, but Australia hasn't even got their climate change um, considerations correct. And in the run-up to the EU meeting in November, Australia has been put on notice that they, they have to get their act together. At this point in time, Australia is still refusing to increase its 2030 emissions reduction target. They're not even willing to put a target on. So that's the big picture. Um, so when it comes to the M&A, we are still quite far behind as well. But there are some drivers, and that's sort of more coming from the business and investor communities. And can you just go into a bit more detail on those drivers, please? The, the investor and business communities actually understand that ESG is a really important consideration. It's, it's particularly important in deal-making. That's where the, the, the presence is being felt, and I'll, I'll get back to that. But in terms of um, things that we are noticing, um, there, have not, there has not been a lot of M&A deal-making, but it's sort of starting, and in July... Um, there was a big mining software company called RPM Global, which is like a 400 million market cap company. And they actually went and bought a local ESG services company called Nitro. And that was to create a dedicated ESG division and to look for other ways to provide the whole mining industry with dedicated mining ESG offerings. So that could be a forerunner to a lot of other deals. Um, and that's a big company doing it. And interestingly, there was a local company that was a specialist in ESG that they could buy. So we, we, we can expect to see, see more coming out of Australia. The other driver from the investor community is um, Macquarie Group, which is Australia's largest independent um, investment Banking and Financial Services Group had a recent presentation and in that they dedicated like four pages to the importance of ESG and they focused on all three aspects of ESG, the E, the S and the G um, and we're just talking about how important it is becoming in how they're going to actually help their clients to address these, these issues. There are other drivers as well, very interestingly, and, and this may be a global trend as well, but in Australia and kind of also related to COVID, there has been a lot more um, of the millennial type investors going online and investing. 
And that group is, um, they, 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 they're much more worldly than the older generations. Um, and they really care, care about, about ESG. So that, that's a big driver from, from the sort of average investor side of things. And that's where COVID's also come in because there's also more awareness of the environment and consciousness around that. And, and just interestingly, and, and maybe this isn't specifically Australia-focused, but Yahoo Finance now has a free sustainability tab where investors can just go in and see how they're going or companies are going with regards to ESG, which means the public is much more informed about ESG issues. Yeah, and it's certainly a, a wider trend that we've seen across the world, but interesting to find out that Australia is a bit behind in in some ways. You you gave the example of the mining services company buying an ESG group. Do you have any other examples of where ESG has been one of the main factors in in deal making? Honestly, none that I have come across. There was there was actually one other, and this is which this one actually relates to valuation. But this was where we had Spark Infrastructure, which is like a billion dollar market cap infrastructure investment group. And this was also in July. So these things are quite recent. And they actually rejected a bid by KKR and the Ontario Teachers Fund. Um, I think they thought the bid was too low because among other things, um, the bidders were not taking into account the value that um, Spark infrastructure has in its um, pure renewables play assets. And I think they came back with higher bids and they just, they just kept rejecting them. So that was very specific around ESG. And interestingly, it was the target that was rejecting the bid. But we also, I think, seeing in the deal making where buyers are becoming more conscious, it's, it's more affecting what buyers are going to buy. And we can go into that when we talk about um, the implications in, in valuations. And so talking about valuations, that, that is a really good example with the Spark infrastructure rejecting the, the offer that they received on, a, on the basis it was too low and it was undervaluing their renewables uh, division. How is ESG impacting valuations more broadly? Okay, so, so this is where we are seeing sort of the ESG um, issues coming to the fore. And I actually, I have spoken to a lot of advisors in the space and there's a lot of consensus around it um, where they're saying, you know, ESG is becoming a value driver. So it's increasing valuations and multiples for companies that have ESG components. Before, and I suppose this is in, in line with the global trend, the ESG component was uh, seen as something that was nice to have, an additional extra, but now it's actually becoming material in companies' valuations. And I guess, um, well, the Spark is kind of an example there. I don't really have many others. It's more the big picture of, of what advisors are saying. Um, Deloitte actually uh, released a report saying that 30% of executives polled were willing to pay a premium if the target had ESG attributes. EY also has done a recent report 
they were saying that management teams are finding it more difficult now to determine and communicate what assets are on an off strategy with regard to ESG. So, and I guess maybe this goes more also to the advisory impact, but advisors really have to upskill because ones that can help companies with those issues are going to be in great demand. And in Australia specifically at the moment, there is high demand and there's not a lot of skill. So um, the findings from that study showed that it, was, it wasn't just Australia, it was Oceania, so it's a little bit broader, but 71% of executives polled said a failure to enhance their ESG rating was the greatest area of failure in divestments, and that was compared with 59% globally. So that shows how our region is like almost 20% more affected. Um, Picture Partners did a, a whole a market update recently as well. And they said, and this is really interesting, that um, especially in the mid-market, MA deal flow is coming back and they expect it to carry on for the rest of the year. But companies that are not um, doing well with ESG are might not actually be able to benefit from it. And they also referenced a report by Baker Tilly which found that 65% of international deal makers believe ESG is a key consideration when making an investment and an M&A decision. And 60% said they'd walked away from deals that didn't have the ESG component, which is interesting about Spark again, because it was actually the target was walking away in that instance. And so how is the advisory community reacting? You mentioned that they need to upskill, but how, how are they doing that? Are they buying in talent? Are they retooling existing staff? Well, you know, that's really interesting. And I, I spoke to so many bankers, lawyers, the accounting firms, and across the board, most of them were reluctant to actually say what they were doing. And in the main, it's it's the one, I mean, they are all looking to upskill, but most of them are doing it internally. But interestingly, a lot of them that I spoke to said, we will start seeing actual M&A in the advisory community in the next 12 months because they need the skills quickly. And that refers to consulting and services as well as technology. And um, buying is going to be much quicker and much cheaper. So, so that is actually going to come. So that would be larger banks or advisory firms buying smaller counterparts that have been able to improve their offering in the ESG, on the ESG front. Yes, and also specialists. And I mean, this isn't an advisory deal, but it's, it was really interesting to see um, that Blackstone acquired an ESG software data and consulting services company called Sphera for 1.4 billion. And KKR took a majority stake in what's believed to be the largest pure play sustainability consultancy called ERM. And that was just to get more focus on energy consultancy expertise. So that's global, but you know, when the world sneezes, Australia, catches the cold a little bit later. And if PE, if PE is doing deals like that, 
You just have to know it's going to come. So how quickly are, are things changing? You say Australia is quite a bit behind most of the, the rest of the developed world, but how quickly do you see things unfolding? Well, I think it's uh, it, it's almost a sudden impact because these issues were addressed by an article that we did in 2018. And there was a lot of talk about advisors and business community and investors having to start actually taking ESG considerations seriously. And really nobody was. And that was 2018. And now we're in 2021. And, you know, no one's saying, oh, well, let's see how we go. It's like, the race is on. And I think that's also where M&A is going to play a big role because they're going to, they have to do it quickly now. It's just taken off that quickly. And also, you know, the whole social and governance part of it. And just a, like a small interesting aside, um, there are a lot of small but a lot of innovative Australian companies. So, for example, there's an Australian medtech called Sia Medical, they've just raised $34 million and they got an investment from an impact investor. We have got quite a few smaller impact investment groups. And the reason was the it's considered ESG and um, impact, even though it's a medtech, is because it's improving, what they are doing is improving life. And that's ESG today. That's great. Thank you very much, Louise. Thanks, Julie. That was Louise Wyhart, a senior journalist based in Sydney. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Dealcast, presented by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. Please rate, review and follow the podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or look out for your Merger Market news alert. For more information, check out our show notes. Join us next week for another episode. 